Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber Oe Swenson. Today we are concluding our series titled The Longest Road, Grieving the Loss of a Child. We've done two interviews with people who have experienced the loss of a child, and then we were able to also interview a counselor who helped us see a different perspective. And after we were done with those three interviews, I had an email from my producer and she asked if she could interview me. So today's episode is going to be just a little bit different than what you're used to, but I want to introduce to you my producer, Nia. Hi, Amber. Hello, everyone. (laughs) I'm glad to see you on the other side of the mic. I can see you. Nobody else can. But people might not know how much you add to the program because they don't see our interactions and know the behind the scene things. But you are often adding little things that I can do or giving me ideas. And so I'm glad that people get to finally hear you. Well, thank you. I think uh, you're much too kind with your words. As I say to everyone who will listen, you make my job easy. So I oh, feel like good. I just push the button and tell you to speak and it's a, it's a pretty easy gig. Awesome. Good. So where did you want to go with this, Nia? <laughs> yeah. Um, this is my second podcast episode I've hijacked. You know, you've interviewed Pastor Mike before and I kind of forced my way onto his uh, show to talk about some of the sermons that he does on our Time of Grace with Pastor Mike Novotny podcast. But I, I really wanted to um, get a, a, to hear from you, Amber, rather than just yeah. hearing you be the one to a- ask the questions. I wanted to hear some of what your insights and your thoughts are concerning this topic. You know, I used to be a journalist and it was always interesting. As soon, whenever we were doing an interview, whether it was audio or video, as soon as we turned the camera off, as soon as we stopped the record, as soon as we put our notebooks away, that's when the subject would open up about, I'm really glad you're doing this because A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And that's where all of the great stories were. And I saw that happening with um, your interviews. As soon as we stopped the record, that's when a couple more things would be revealed. And I said, I really want to hear you tell some of your stories as well. I mean, we hear you every week on little things already. So you're not shy about talking and sharing your thoughts, but um, maybe something a little bit more deeply personal and intimate. And uh, we'll eventually get to that. But I wanted the listeners to see this other side as well, too. Instead of you being the questioner, you answer the questions. Fair enough. Okay. So um, one one of the first things I wanted to do was for you to share with our the listeners why you wanted to do this series. When you came to me with this series idea, I thought that was great because we've never really t- done this before. And it's one of those topics that unfortunately has become pretty taboo because people don't know how to talk about it. So they don't talk about it. So when you said, let's do it, I'm like, I was totally on board. Yeah, let's do it. So, so why did you want to do this series? Yeah, it started behind the scenes as so many things do. I was asked to do a couple of interviews. One was with you actually. And then I also was able to interview Matt Trotter, who's the president and CEO of Time of Grace. And as we were talking things through, and I think even after the interview, he just mentioned something about when he lost his daughter and how that changed things. And I didn't say much to him at the time. I didn't know his story at all. That's the first I had heard about it. But afterwards, I I mean, within an hour, probably of the interview that we had done, I emailed him and I said, Matt, I really think this is a super important subject that needs to be talked about. And part of that is because I have some really good friends who have lost a child 
And there have been two couples in our congregation in the last years that have lost children, um, that were older, you know, in their, uh, late teens, early twenties. And it has made a dramatic impact on me walking through that with them and seeing the pain and seeing the grief and, um, just firsthand seeing it. And then, so Matt and I had a zoom meeting and we talked about some things and he kind of said too, he's like, Amber, this has to be done so delicately. And you know, what, what's your motivation behind this? And I said, two things, really, first of all, I'd love to offer people who are going through this, um, just like, uh, a a hand to hold, like saying, we're with you. We, we can't fix anything. We can't take away the pain, but we see you. And so often I think when we are going through pain, um, it can feel like we're dismissed or, or like people have forgotten and expect us to move on. And, and so I really wanted, first of all, to say, you know, we see you. And then second of all, I was hoping that through the interviews with people who have experienced this pain, and then, you know, by working and talking to someone who works with people who have experienced this pain, we could offer, offer some helpful things, both for those who are going through it, but also <laughs> for the Christians who are walking alongside other people, both do's and don'ts, you know, do this, don't do that or whatever. And so when Matt heard that, he was like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, um, that's what I kind of got listening to all the conversations and all the interviews that we recorded. And would you say that um, for people who know you, and I think our listeners know you pretty well, would you say that some might find it surprising that you would take on such a project because, you know, you and I are both familiar with the strengths finders test, which is um, for those who aren't familiar, it's kind of like a Myers-Briggs type thing where it measures your strengths and your personality type. But for here, it's about strengths. And the, the impetus behind that is you maximize your strengths and not focus on your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And with strengths finders, um, one of the things that they measure is empathy. Empathy is like middle of the road for me. You know, I, I feel like I can be pretty empathetic with some things and just not so much with others. And you and I talked beforehand and you said your empathy ranked pretty low. And so yeah. would you say that people would, who know you like your, your husband or your kids would be like, mom, are you sure you can do that? You know, is your empathy high enough? But yet you took it on anyways. And you shared with me that you had never prayed so hard as you did um, before you conducted the interviews with the moms who had, had lost their child, the children. Yeah. So I, if anybody listened to the behind the scenes series that I did with pastor Mike with the tough and tender love, um, I asked him to guess if I was tender or tough. And he's like, I've listened to your podcast. You're totally <laughs> tough. And I was telling him about the, you know, my incidents as a camp counselor, when I was you know, telling kids where their food came from and that type of thing. And yeah, I, um, I generally tend to run on the tough spectrum. I'm pretty type a and let's get things done. But God did a, a good work on me in a couple of ways. First of all, um, I lost, we lost my father-in-law unexpectedly in 2005. And he woke up that morning and a couple hours later he was dead. And he was somebody that I was super, super close to. And um, that's the first time I had experienced death with somebody that um, meant so much to me. And so 
God awakened something in me that I had never experienced before. And that I really struggled. Well, both my husband, both of us, um, really struggled to get through that. And it, it was a long journey and a hard journey. And then, like I said, we had these really, really good friends who went through this and it, it was devastating. They also, both of the people in our congregation, it was a tragic loss. It wasn't um, expected. It wasn't, they hadn't prepared for it. It was just all of a sudden one day, the child wasn't there anymore. And um, going through that and through the death of my uh, father-in-law made me a sympathetic crier. So basically if anybody in the room starts to cry, there's no chance that I'm going to have dry eyes. There's just none. I mean, it doesn't matter what the situation is. If someone else starts to cry, I almost instantaneously start to cry too. So I, I would say that God definitely awakened an empathy in me. Um, for most situations, my children, you brought up my children, my husband, I think they would argue that, uh, that may not always hold true for them when they're trying to get out of, you know, breaking curfew and they shed a tear. So maybe not true that, uh, that far, but yeah. How do you think that your interviews went and our listeners have already heard them, but how do you think personally for you, how they went? Yeah, I was, um, man, I was thankful that God gave me strength. I, like you said, I was praying mostly for strength because, from the very first zoom call that I had with Matt, um, Matt was telling me the story and I was, I was, uh, absolutely inconsolable. I was just in tears. And, um, I thought I, how can I interview these women who have experienced such pain and the Lord did give me the strength to go through them. I think that those women are so brave and courageous and unbelievably godly, um, their perspective on things both Mary Jo Trotter and uh, Debbie enter, you know, the way they put it all into the bigger scheme. And I was inspired by the way that they could take something so devastating and give God glory and um, see purpose. I was um, humbled that uh, they both were so willing to talk about something so personal, so private. And yet um, they too, saw that there was something bigger that could happen from this. And that by sharing their experience, they could give hope to other people and they could, you know, that's one of the things that they said too, is that, um, I think I asked Debbie, what would you say to someone in this situation? And she said something like, I, I, I know, or, or I feel too. And, and just the idea that, um, you know, these women, these are two of many, I'm sure women who, are willing to take their, their biggest pain in life and say, you know, God use it somehow, some way for your glory in your kingdom. And that was, um, unbelievably inspiring to me. And then Cheryl, who, you know, was from Christian family solutions. Oh, I just thank the Lord that there are people like her who are willing to um, walk alongside people and listen to the stories and day after day after day offer hope and help and healing and, um, and also meet with the rest of us and say, you know, this might be something you keep in mind. So all the way around humbling, um, honored to be able to do what I do for the most part. 
Yeah, I, I think you speak well to the strength of Mary Jo and uh, Debbie. And then also Cheryl, it takes a special kind of person to do that. Her Just listening in on that interview and recording it, she has such a calming, assuring presence about her. And that's the kind of people you need to, to deal with these sorts of uh, devastations. Absolutely. So those are some of your bigger takeaways. Um, I also sense as we're doing the interviews that you also wanted this to be sort of PSA about what not to say or stupid things, what stupid things not to say to people who have been through that loss. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's, that was one of my main um, goals, you know, is really to help the Christian family um, be better equipped to walk along people who are experiencing loss in, of this magnitude. And the truth is that I don't really think in my heart that anybody sets out to hurt somebody or to say something that is, um, you know, disrespectful or demeaning. I just don't think we necessarily know any better. And a lot of us, myself included, I tend to over talk and I've learned throughout the years that, and it was Mary Jo brought it up so beautifully about her coworker. That's one of the main stories that stuck out to me, that coworker who came to the funeral and didn't say anything, but he was there. So you don't have to say anything. And, and so I think we, we do struggle at times to say something and we think we have to fill that space. And that is one of the things that my father-in-law had said to my husband years and years ago that uh, my husband has brought up on many occasions. His, his dad had said to him one time, you know, you don't always have to talk just because there's silence in the room. Doesn't mean it's bad. You don't have to talk just to fill the silence. Sometimes it's enough just to be there with someone And, um, so how can we better come alongside those who are really mourning? You know, you don't have to talk about your dog that died two years ago or your grandparents and how hard it was when you lost your grandparents. Sometimes you can just sit. And, and so I wanted to bring up some of those things that really did hurt, um, the people who were grieving the child, just, just to equip the rest of us who are maybe prone to putting our, our feet in our mouth uh, so we could avoid those things. Yeah, I find it a little um, intriguing and astonishing how, how uncomfortable we often are with silence, right? So if you, yeah. someone says something, you, we should just say, I'm so sorry for, for this, rather than, yeah, I know how you feel, and then try to make it like relate it when it's not the same kind of pain, the loss of a parent or the loss of a grandparent, the loss of a dog. It's not the same as the loss of a child. And I remember Matt telling me that as well. Matt's my boss. And I remember him saying that always irked him when people would try to compare the pain. It's not the same kind of pain. And we don't need, they don't need us to try to feel their pain. Yeah. I think, I think it was one, I don't remember if it was Mary Jo or Debbie says, we don't want you to feel this pain, you know, yeah. don't want you to be able to relate. Absolutely. I think of, I think of the story of Elijah, right. When he escapes from, um, Ahab and Jezebel. Yes. Like I, what I just drew a blank. Ahab and Jezebel. And he's on the run and he's depressed and God sends an angel. All he does is sit by him and feed him and tell him to rest. And that was yep. enough. Just the, yep. the power of presence. Right. And that's, that's another of the key takeaways. And I've made this point before. And in fact, often on my podcast, but just the idea of being there and doing something don't wait. I remember I think it was Debbie too, that said, I can't think, or I couldn't think about what I needed. You know, when people would say, if you need something, call me. And she's like, I can't think, how can I think? 
You just need to show up. You just need to come with a meal or you need to say, you know, I, I was in the neighborhood and I just wanted to give you a hug. And I don't know if you need it or not, but maybe I needed it today to give to you and, or just send the text or give the call or, you know, just some way, somehow show them that, you know, two months after the funeral, two years after the funeral, 10 years after the funeral, you're still thinking about them. You're still praying for them. Um, you just want to walk alongside them. That was another big takeaway for me too. Mm -hmm. And just the prayers, you know, just yeah, knowing that people are praying for them, though they may not say much at that time. I know it means a lot to them too. Yeah. And the fact that both of both Debbie and Mary Jo too, I mean, it was talking to them. It was as if it was as raw as it, if it had just happened. Mm -hmm. And that was good for me to see and remember too, that this is a, a lifelong pain mm -hmm. and that, that you don't ever expect them to quote unquote, just get over it or be better. Or, or like Mary Jo said there, you can't fix this. You know, you learn to to live with it and you learn to walk alongside people as they're living with this unbelievable grief. And, and that was good for me to remember too. just, um, it's a grief that doesn't go away. And so that's why it's so important for the body of Christ to recognize it and say, we're here, we're here for your lifetime. You know, we understand that this, this is a pain that you will experience for the rest of your life. So we're here. As we're recording this, the uh, Uvalde, Texas school shootings are still pretty fresh in our minds. And so listening to some podcasts and some news segments. And unfortunately, there's a club now of parents who have lost their kids to yeah. school shootings. And I just remember hearing the some of the parents who have been through the um, prior school shootings saying they will travel to these sites and they will sit down and grieve and console parents because they know that pain. And yep. that's some of the stuff they said, it's like, you don't know how you're going to get through these days of just simple things like eating and sleeping and taking care of the siblings who are still there. But it just, you just get through it somehow. And you look back, you don't remember how it happened, but it just did. And that's where I think friends can really step up with yep. prayers and just showing up and, you know, bring a meal or just quietly holding their hands right there. Yeah. I, I, that brings up so many emotions. I mean, for all of us and, and really it brings us back for me, what it does every time I hear of any of these things. Um, it just is such a reminder to me that we don't know the future. And when you say goodbye to your children, you do not know what the day will bring. And so it's a reminder to, you know, make the word of God a priority to, love your children well, your spouse as well, to love everyone well, really. But, um, and then to know that time and circumstance as the book of Ecclesiastes says, you know, the race is not to the swift or the strong time and circumstance has happens to everybody. It, it doesn't matter. You know, if, if you're in the safest school district in the city, something can happen and it may be a tornado or it, it could be a, a something like that. And so Unfortunately, because we live in this sinful world, death is a part of the experience of life, which is mm -hmm. why we never know from day to day what we're going to face. But just what you said, man, um, what people need through this is people locking arms around them and saying, we're here. And uh, 
and just, we're going to help you take one step. And then the next step, I remember somebody saying it this way. I, I wish I could remember the book or the program that I heard, but you know, imagine if you were carrying a really heavy plate and someone comes alongside you and says, you know, I can't take that away, but I can help you carry it for a while. You know, that's all you can do. Sometimes you can't take another person's pain, especially when they're, oh, just grieving something, but you can walk with them. Mm-hmm. Now, as we're talking about Uvalde and we're, we're talking about the loss of a child and I think of Jesus saying that this world is going to have trouble. We know that yeah. he never said it was going to be easy. He never said it was going to be all sunshine and roses and unicorns and rainbows. He, as one of our time of grace bloggers has said, this is the promise. She does not like Jesus promised that this yeah. world would have trouble. Right. And, and so I think of that. And though we know that there's going to be trouble, we know that there's going to be pain. It still hurts when it happens. And so yeah. you always wanted the, um, our interviewees to talk about what not to say. I'd always make you guys follow up with, were you angry with God? And yeah. both Mary Jo and Debbie were like, no, they were not. Mm-hmm. Credit to them. I get angry with God for much less things, you know, so power yeah. to them for having such a strong faith. Do you think it's natural to be angry with God and it's okay to admit it? So, um, I actually had this experience because our good friends who lost their 21 year old son at the time, um, the husband was angry with God and I had been at their house and he was telling me how that very day he had gone out in his backyard and just screamed at God. And I said to him, you know what? God has very big shoulders. He can handle your anger. In fact, you go ahead and talk to him and say whatever needs to be said, because I'm pretty sure he'll meet you there. And, and with everything in life, um, with any loss, especially, you know, anger is one of those emotions that we deal with the bargaining, the anger, the sorrow the, you know, and so, yeah, it's okay to be angry with God. Look at Jonah. I love that. God has these specific examples in the Bible. And like you said, for something so much smaller for the plant that withered, cause the worms that, you know, came and ate it up. And Jonah's like, I'm angry enough to die. You know, like God's okay. He can handle our anger. He can handle any emotion we have. Just keep turning to God. And what's wonderful about that and being honest, I, I love the idea of being honest in my prayers with God because God knows my heart anyway. Mm-hmm. So I might as well tell him, honestly, you know what? I'm, I'm really not okay with you allowing this to happen right now. And you could have done something different, but you didn't. I don't understand. I don't get it, but I'm coming to you because where else am I going to go? And just letting God take care of that. Like you said, when Elijah was super depressed and he too sat underneath the tree and he was like, I just want to die. I'm done. And God sent the angel. And so often we think that we, when we pray, you know, you're not seeing the answer, but something is happening. And it may just be you getting the strength you need to get through the next hour mm-hmm. or the next day. And, you know, angels came and ministered to Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane when he could not go on. And, um, if they came to Jesus, they're certainly going to be there for us 
in our lowest moments and when we don't understand and we just have to keep turning to him and let him do the good work in us. Mm-hmm. Now I had talked about earlier about how once the mics are off and the recording has stopped, that's when <laughs> some of the best stories come out. And after our um, interview with Debbie, it's just so gut-wrenching hearing the experience that she went through of how she still had to carry her son to term right next yeah. to her daughter. And I just, I shared that story with my husband that night and my heart just broke for them. Yeah. But, but that's also when you shared something too about you, Amber, that I had no idea about the mics yeah. are off, the recording had stopped. Um, do you mind sharing that story with your listeners? No, not at all. So we were pregnant with our first daughter and I was about, I don't know if it was like eight or nine weeks along. And, um, I started having trouble. I was at work and I started bleeding. And so I, I called the OB line and I said, Hey, you know, some, I, something's not right. And they said, you know, there's not really anything you can do about it. If, if you're going to miscarry, you're going to miscarry. But I went home and I, you know, stayed in bed for a while. And, um, later that night I miscarried and I saw it come out and it looked just like in the books and the in the magazines. And, and so I knew that, um, I had miscarried. And so my husband and I, we grieved through the night. It was just a terrible night. We had been praying for months before we got pregnant and we were, you know, asking God to, to give us a child. And so, um, the next morning I called and I, said what had happened. And they said, you better come in for an ultrasound just so we know if we need to do a DNC or if everything has passed. And, um, so we went in and it was just, a it was traumatic really to go to this place where, you know, all the moms were there who were pregnant waiting for their appointments. And you're sitting in the lobby knowing that there's nothing there. And, uh, so we went in to see the midwife. And she said, you know, I'm really sorry. And this isn't how we like to meet our, our clients. And we need, the first thing we need to do is do an ultrasound. And we already know that, you know, there's nothing there, but at least, you know, we can make sure that you're healthy and get you on the path to conceiving again, if that's the plan. And so we went to the ultrasound again, just devastated. And, um, there was a heartbeat. (laughs) So, um, it was like going from the worst feeling in the world to, um, I can't believe that we get to do this. And so our first daughter would have been a twin, but we lost the twin. And uh, we we didn't know if it was a boy or girl. And um, for most of our life, we didn't talk about it. We just were so happy that there was something there because it was the worst, most empty feeling to think that it had been taken away so soon. And we were just so shocked. And we just said, you know, clearly God's plan for us was not to have twins. So we'll, um, 
be thankful for what we've been given. And we were, we were so thankful. And so we didn't even mention it to our daughter until years and years later, probably she was 11 or 12, um, before we even brought it up. And like I said, it, uh, we could definitely relate to, we had friends who had miscarried and um, just the idea that we felt so blessed to still have one because to go home empty and to start over seemed unbelievable. And we just never took it for granted that God entrusted us to be parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask why you guys never talked about it afterwards? Was it just too too hard, too emotional? I think there's two reasons. One is that um we did when when I was pregnant, I I think I had six friends who were pregnant at the same time. So we had all gotten married two or three years earlier and then we were all having babies at the same time. And I had a friend who had two miscarriages back to back and she was walking with all of us as we continued our pregnancies and just trying to keep, you know, consoling her and, um, walking through that with her, not knowing if she was going to ever carry a, a child to term, you know, it just felt, um, I guess, somewhat cheap to me to bring anything up about my loss when hers was significantly greater. And so uh, that was one reason. And then the second reason was, truthfully, we were so, so like unbelievably overjoyed um, to have a child that we just thought, you know, we're going to focus on what God gave us instead of, um, what he took away. And we have always thought that, you know, if we had had twins, we probably would have been done after one pregnancy. It just seems like a, a much different thing to have twins than to have one. But, um, God gave us four unbelievable children. So we just thought we'd been so blessed that we just chose to focus on that, I guess. Now, were you angry with God? Some of that bittersweetness of joy? Not at all. Not at all. I was so unbelievably filled with joy that I, because I honestly was devastated at losing a child and, and the idea of um, not having a pregnancy at all. And I just felt unbelievably blessed. I, I never got angry, but there have been times that it, it more so since we've done this series that I, I could, it's one of those experiences that I can put in the total back of my mind and not ever go there until something brings it up. And then, you know, it was just on that car ride to work one day when I was thinking, you know, about getting to heaven someday. And for whatever reason, I just had this image of a child coming up or someone coming up to me and saying, Hey mom, you know, you never met me. And I just lost it. Like for almost 45 minutes, I was a wreck when I got to work 
I just thought, and I think it's because with pregnancy loss, it's, you know, what you've lost is the potential to know somebody, right. And all the things Mm -hmm. that you'd experience. And so I don't know if there was a a son or a daughter who I, I never met and, you know, what would their personality be like? And, and all those things. <laughs> and if you let yourself wander down that road, which I'm really good at not, you know, that's again, my personality, my tough, my let's get things done. And, but if I let myself wander down that road, it can be heartbreaking to think of the potential of somebody that I never met who would have called me mom. And so, uh, for the most part, I choose not to, to go down that path and to just, uh, be thankful for what I've been given. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's awesome. That's very admirable. You guys, you Debbie and MJ, just, um, admirable women of faith, just continue to use God as your rock and your strength instead of dwelling on what could have been. Yeah. I don't know how else you do it. I mean, I, I, I don't, because I think if you do allow yourself and, and again, you know, I, it, I, it's such a different thing for sure. Pregnancy loss versus, um, a child that you knew, and, and everything. So I, I, it's not even comparable at all, but just the idea that at the end of the day, at the end of every day, you know, you go back to Job Mm -hmm. and it, when it was all taken away, all he could say is, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. So blessed be the name of the Lord. And I mean, talk about loss. I mean, he lost everything and then his health was taken away And so at the end of the day, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you're experiencing, you have a choice to make. And that choice is I'm going to praise you, God, because I'm here and I still have breath in my lungs. And, you know, I can't do anything about all this other, all I can do is say, you're on the throne. I trust you and I love you. And you're deserving of my worship, whatever tomorrow brings. And to me, that's walking with God. It's a faith, you know, walking by faith, not by sight. We're not guaranteed an easy road. Like you said, the promises that we don't want to hear, you're going to have trouble. Uh, But God's still in control. He still knows what he's doing. And he loves us so much that I can't second guess him. I can second guess myself. I can second guess Satan's role in all of it. Um, in the sinful world that we live in, but I will not second guess God because I know he's good and I know he's powerful and mm-hmm. I know he loves me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, God is good. So therefore, yeah, there is good that, that comes out of this. Right. Well, thank you for sharing that Amber. Um, I gave you a virtual hug as you're telling that story. <laughs> I don't know if you felt it, but that was a virtual hug. Oh, thank you. A couple hundred miles here. <laughs> but thanks for sharing yes. that. And um, how does your daughter, you know, when you told her, how did she react? How does she feel now? Oh, well, I did not do it in the best way. <laughs> My daughter is very strong willed. And I told her that she probably kicked her twin out. So <laughs> like, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, that is the one thing that I've thought about more often now than before, but I wonder how her personality would be different if she did have a twin so often, you know, they're opposites or, um, so I wonder how that affected, but I guess I'll have to wait till heaven to find out. (laughs) That'll be a joyous reunion. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing all this and thank you for giving us just some, um, your takeaways from this very powerful series. I was glad to be a part of it and glad to be able to edit these and just come, come along for the ride. It's just, 
a lot of stuff that we take for granted. We hear these yeah. kinds of stories and we just like with all the school shootings, hug our kids a little tighter, tell them more often than we already do how much we love them. I have teenagers that don't respond well, but they, I always tell them they can't doubt. They have no reason to ever doubt their mom's love, you know? And, um, right. Right. And so this, I think this has been a great series. So, so thank you for putting it together. Oh, for sure. Yep. I, the prayer is just that all of us do what we can with what we're given and, um, really help hold the body of Christ up because the people who walk through this kind of pain and grief um, need us. So, yeah, if anyone has anything they want to share with us, please um, don't hesitate, whether it's just through um, emails to Amber or just to our Time of Grace site. You guys can always email us and we'd just love to hear stories, your own stories. And we hope this series has helped you as well. Absolutely. Amber. Um, I think you guys could probably email amber at timeofgrace.org and we'll make sure to read each and every one of your responses. Oh, absolutely. All right, Amber, I think this is your normal sign-off time. So typically I would sign off by saying that in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. But honestly, this week and with this series, I really think all of this is big stuff and it, it shouldn't even be looked at as little things because in God's kingdom, really taking care of each other is, is an incredibly big thing. So thanks for listening. <laughs>